Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. There's still time. The AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Tickles McCall. <laughs> uh, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. Just trying out a new nickname. I, yeah, I, I don't know that's the best. It just stemmed from a, a situation tonight with my wife. She doesn't like being tickled. Apparently, my really short beard tickles her. Oh. Mm. We should put you, it you're, you're just finding this out now? <laughs> oh, no, she's complained about this for 20 years. Oh, okay. But I've just thought I'll embrace it. I'll become Tickles McCall. Anyway, moving on. It's Thanksgiving weekend and a lot for us to be thankful for. We still have a podcast after 581 episodes. I mean, who saw that coming? How has your Thanksgiving weekend been? It's been good. Yeah, some uh, Friday night was fun. Do you have some pumpkin pie? Uh, no, we're doing a family thing tomorrow. Um, I don't know if there'll be pumpkin pie there, but... And the good thing is, we're doing another late record, so we're starting on Thanksgiving Sunday and we'll be going into Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Monday by the, the time we finish this. Yeah, and it'll come out, of course, on the, the Monday. But, I mean, we, we always do this on our Thanksgiving shows. Tell me, Zach, what are you feeling thankful for in particular this 2023 Thanksgiving? Are we, like, focusing on football? Football, family, whatever you want. Uh, yeah, I'm thankful for my family and, you know, relative good health. Uh, thankful for, uh, yeah, football. I'm thankful for the first year of the... Canadian Premier League in the Lower Mainland. It's been uh, really great to be a part of. A lot of fun. Liked your TIFO on Friday night? The the people did a good job. Yeah. I thought it was also very fitting, your big sign that says, Welcome to the Dark Side, as I was watching the game on one soccer when I got home. And the the terrible floodlights out in Langley, it was a very dark watch. It is very dark, yeah. That's something that needs that, that's just one of the upon. things. One yeah. of the things that, that needs to be yeah, made better. Yeah, our people did really great. Actually, I had little to no involvement with, with this one, which was also really nice. Ah. It looked like a lot of work had gone into that. It always does take a lot of time and effort and energy and yeah. Gail and Brandon and uh, Adrienne and uh and Andrew uh did most of the work on, on it. It was, it was very, yeah. very, very striking. 
Oh, along oh, uh, Stefan also did a bunch of work on it too. But yeah, and then and then a whole bunch of other people did other played different roles. But yeah, it was I nice. mean, football wise, I'm just thankful that we still continue to to get this podcast. It's still going from strength to strength. I'm always thankful as well to our extra subscribers that subscribe to the those podcasts, give donations as well, buy coffee on the the website. It's all very much appreciated and. I always really appreciate kind of the chance to have a life in football over here, which like back in Scotland, because so many folk cover football, it's hard to break into it unless you're, you know people and when you follow a small team like I do, who are going to be on national TV this coming weekend. I will be tweeting that out. You can watch the game live on YouTube. It's a European match. We're in Europe. Yes, it's the Scottish Challenge Cup, but we're playing a Welsh team that play in England. That's a long story. We'll get into that next weekend. But yeah, always thankful for that. Always thankful as well for the, the support up at UBC. Those guys have been tremendous and another fun season calling the games up at UBC. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday I called the games this weekend and I had a snafu in the Saturday game. So the UBC women are dominant this, this year and Friday night, they beat UNBC, the Timberwolves, 6-0. Going on 10, because they also rattled the crossbar four times. Cat Tony scored a hat-trick. So, the second game, because it was a back-to-back game, which they do against UNBC because they travel, was on the, the Saturday. And I've got to say, it was very one-sided. I might be being generous here to say that 90% of the game was played in the UNBC half. They seldom crossed the halfway line. So, goal went in in the second half. And I hadn't done this on the Friday. I didn't do my what's the time. It's five past Timberwolves. But UBC head coach Jesse Simons does like that call. So he said, oh, give you the chance to do that. I went, oh, I didn't do it tonight. So I thought, I'll do it on Saturday. So the goal went in. I went, what time is it? It's five past UNBC. Except it was only 4-0 at the time. And I realised that shortly afterwards and I went, I'm starting to lose count. UBC had 43 shots in that game on Saturday night. Only scored six times. 15 saves for the UNBC goalkeeper. So anyway, I'm thankful that I get those opportunities and all the other commentary opportunities with TSS and Altitude that come along this way. A lot to be thankful for. A lot to be thankful for in the football world and, and personal lives as well. I wanted to ask Vanny Sartini, though, what is he feeling particularly thankful for this Thanksgiving? (laughs) Thanksgiving on Monday. It's been a good season, a lot to be thankful for. Aside from now having two weeks off to finally rest and rest your foot, what what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Uh, I'm thankful for a lot, first of all, that because... uh, uh, outside soccer, everything is going well in my life. So that's that's the that's the most important thing. And then I'm thankful for the group of people that work with me. Uh, you guys see the players, but there's a lot of people. There, my staff, the extended staff, the physios, the media guys, the, the team operation. I'm thankful for them because uh, you know it's been a challenging season because we had a lot of games, a lot of travels, and everything. And uh, it never never felt heavy because of the people that you are around, that are around you. So I'm I'm 
I'm thankful for them. And when I say this, I also include you guys uh, because I, I, I'm, I'm, I talk with you every time. So I'm thankful to that you that you follow the team so you can bring our words to the to the fans that are the guys that at the end uh, are the real owners of the of the of the team. Fanny Sartini there, thankful for a lot of things, thankful for being in this beautiful city and being in charge of a great team, thanking the fans, the media, everyone that covers the team as well. And it's it's been a very good season for the White Caps. We're going to get into that in this show. We'll talk about White Caps in this part, White Caps and MLS in the next part. Talk CPL in part three. And a look at the 2030 World Cup announcement in part four, along with this episode's wavelength. Zach's shaking his head. There's a precursor. Oh, I, I, I've got some things to get off my chest. Yes. No feature interview the, this episode, unfortunately. Don't start me on that, though. But we do have some audio sound bites and clips that we, that we will bring you over the course of the show as well. But we're going to talk white caps in this part. And you missed the show last weekend. I did. I Zach. still haven't listened to it either. Terrible. That's why the numbers are I down. I've down well, I downloaded it. I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, um, uh, that's not the reason then. It must just be Felipe. <laughs> or all the CPL chat, which sadly I think what is maybe the case. Because um, we had two parts on, on CPL last week. Uh, yeah, well, Felipe, yeah, he goes to a lot of CPL. Did he talk a lot about Forge? He's a big Forge guy. Yes, he'll, he'll be cock-a-hoop, I'm sure. I'm disappointed. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, Whitecaps, I said last week, I felt they had clinched a playoff spot with the points total that they've got. The way that just the other games, who was playing who and things like that. They could have been anywhere from second to ninth. The the way that things were going, they had lost the chance to, to get first. But they did book their playoff berth on Wednesday night. They're playoff bound for the sixth time in the MLS era. Still a couple of big questions remain, though. Where will they finish in the pecking order? They've booked uh, a top seven spot. Yeah. So they've avoid they've officially voided the play-in game. Yeah. And they're definitely in a best of three series. So the only things to to work out now is will they finish fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh? Will they have two potential home playoff games in that best of three series if it went all the way? Or will they just have the one? But they guaranteed a, a home playoff berth anyway. It's been a good couple of games. Booking the playoff spot on the Wednesday, booking that top seven spot on, on Saturday, Zach. It was nice that uh, St. Louis had, you know, clinched top spot and rested, what was it, like five players? Yeah, Santa Claus wasn't Yeah, featured. well, most significantly to me was Berkey, I think. But that's just probably my Bundesliga bias, but... Yeah, no, but it doesn't matter how many who who St. Louis played. All that matters is that they got the result and then yeah, clinched the playoffs. And it was a it was another memorable evening for for people at BC Place. And a disappointing crowd though, but I think understandable for a a school night. It's tough. Seven thirty seven kickoffs on a Wednesday night. Yeah, like like we've said and talking about different things before. I mean, there's all kinds of. Uh, variables that you could talk about and and whatever and you could be negative about it i i think i think what's more important for for the white caps is that they will be 
doing all they can to get as many people into the stadium as possible for the that first playoff match or those first couple playoff matches if if they get high enough. I, I know I've been more critical in years years ago years ago. I'm now less con, less concerned or less frustrated by by those things or whatever. But yeah, I think it's not. Uh, I think the important thing is those who are there enjoyed it, and yes. uh, they they continue to invite people in and continue to share the stories of how much how awesome it was and that that's how that's how the, that's how the community will grow right yeah and, and the club and of course the, the the stewards of the club telling the story and all that kind of stuff and coming up for a big 50th anniversary year next yeah. year oh, as yeah. well the i mean I, I i've got some big plans on the podcast to, to celebrate all of that and on the website as well we'll get into that in more of our december shows but i mean celebration times and it's it's been a good season. They, they've had the Cascadia Cup. They've won the Canadian Championship. They've booked their spot in next year's Champions Cup. Now they're playoff bound. They've ticked a lot of the boxes that they had going into this season. But we'll get into to both the games that were, were played this week. Not in depth uh, as such, because we've, we've got so much other stuff to talk about. If we start off... Just on, on the Wednesday game. Big 3-0 win over St. Louis City. And yeah, it was a re- it was a team that was resting players, but th- it was a very good performance. And I know in the mm-hmm. playoffs it's going to be a very different St. Louis side, but it wasn't a St. Louis side, even when they brought on some of the, the bigger guns in the second half, that I'm like, I'm not necessarily that concerned if we're in a matchup with, with St. Louis. I, I would fancy us taking them a game at BC Place, and then with the nature of the best of three series, you just need a nil-nil draw and you get to penalties. Yeah, that's right. That that was that was did Brian White open the scoring in that game? Yeah, it was a Ranko long ball over the top, and Brian just heads it away from the defender who just basically stood still. Yeah. Okay. So in the past, we've talked about how not just us, other people who've been on as well have talked about. How Brian White does not, you know, he's not the fastest striker you'll ever see. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him show that ex- that much explosiveness before on a play. And and then on top of that, uh, I don't know if I've seen him show such a deft finish before, like a just that beautiful little chip over the keeper as the keeper was running out. But it, it was it was I think. It felt like one of the best goals I think I've seen him score because it wasn't just a it wasn't just a header it wasn't just scraps it wasn't just finishing off a cross it was like felt like one of one of the time maybe the time where he showed the most skill I think you know holistically on a play to finish a to finish a chance yeah that one came in the the fifty eighth minute and because it had been a goalless first half not a first half though without some controversy right. So I, I guess we should rewind to that first. I should have probably started off by looking at that, but I just got excited talking about the goals there. Yeah, VAR came into play twice in the first half. So the, the first moment of controversy came in the 21st minute. Josh Yarrow, who was also the player that was standing there that had allowed White to head it off him in the, in the second half, not yeah. a great game for Yarrow, it looked that he had gone straight through White in the St. Louis box, sending the cap striker crashing to the deck. Referee Pierre-Luc Lozier, who is Canadian, 
waved away the Whitecaps' appeals for a penalty, but was then called over for a video review. It took him over two minutes to review the play, and then he just decided to stick to his guns, stick to the original decision, no penalty. How did you see that one? Yeah, it's, it's that's we've talked about this before. That it's so awkward, right? When you have a referee make a call on the field, and and then upstairs are like, uh, yeah, you should look at that again. We we believe it's clear and obvious that you got it wrong. And he's like, no. And then he looks at, it, he's like, no, no, I'm good. It, the longer it was taken, like we we were debating in the press box. It's like, is it taking this long? Because he's also wondering if it's a red card offense. But no. Yeah, no. Uh. Yeah, but you, I, I wonder how much. I, I there's two things. One, two questions. I'm wondering if if he's asking right. Is one is, is is it actually clear and obvious? Which is probably an obvious question. Um, and the other is how much is there like is how much does pride come into play with it? Yeah, right? I mean we've said right, that like, before. Yeah, like it's kind of it's kind of awkward. But I mean you've got to ha- you've got to be a hundred percent sure it's a ballsy thing to then stick with it. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, as you look at it, I I mean, there is a question, did he get the ball cleanly? And then it's just the after effect of Brian falling over the leg. And I guess if you've got even just a glimmer of a question like that, it's not clear and obvious, so you can't overturn the decision on the pitch. Yeah. That's the only way I can look at it. But when we first saw the replay... Like we were watching it going, oh, that's a clear penalty. I think it was harsh. I think it should have been a penalty. If it had been the other way, I would have said, I thought it was a penalty. If Ranko had gone through Klaus or something like that, I would have said the same thing. But it is what it was. I think there is, is a debate whether he nicked the ball first or White's ankle. So without a definitive ankle, an- ankle or angle, it was hard to, to overrule it. I just thought, that that was harsh, but then, right? Well, here's here's the here's the one thing. Uh, the one thing about it is, I think that um, it's nice that in the end it didn't destroy the it didn't destroy the result of the game. Like, yeah, I, I, and as, proved as, very costly to the the Caps playoff chances. Exactly. Oh, exactly. And so, I th- I think VAR is more frustrating when it changes the course of the game or directly, uh, you know, without a question, directly impacts the result of the game. And so. Even though I, I hear what you're saying, like it, at least it didn't ruin it in that way. No, it, it wasn't a Jurgen Klopp infuriating incident right. from the weekend yeah. before, which I still can't believe. That oh, I don't know if you've seen some of the videos doing the rounds from the UK pundits debating it. Mike Dean was sticking up, yeah, sticking yeah. up for the referee and saying, yeah, because everyone's like, why didn't you? Why didn't they just stop the game? And well, the one guy was the one, the young guy in the booth was yelling at them, right? Stop mm. the game or whatever. Yeah. And he said, Oh, no, it affects the integrity of the game if you did that. It's not in the rules that you can do that. And they're like, Integrity of the game. And then they just lost it with him. Yeah. He's defending constantly. But anyway, I think the second VAR thing was the correct decision. Gold scores. Yeah, and awesome. as you see the ball come in, it takes a, a touch off white and as it takes a touch I think it's off white and goes in an offside position yeah. as it hits the St. Louis defender Yarrow again and then falls to Gold who, who buries it nicely but it's like a falling down sort of bicycle scissor kick yeah was, there, was it in the second was there not also a handball in this game that was looked at 
Or am I thinking of a different game? You might be thinking of a different game. I don't remember okay, the handball. Oh, there was there was one from the weekend before. That's probably what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think for the handball. But yeah, I I didn't have any any issues with that one. Gold. No, the was, gold one was clear cut. Yeah. It, was, it was it was yeah. But I mean, Yarrow from those two incidents, Han had a great first half defensively, so it was perhaps fitting that it was him that was just standing there that allowed White to head the the ball pass. I don't know what he was doing. It's just he just kind of stood there and let White nip in. And as you say. We haven't seen Brian show that kind of burst of speed like that. But he did well, he finished. That was his 15th of the season. You felt the Whitecaps were going to win after that. I, I didn't think they were really in too much trouble, but they had to wait to the 82nd minute. And what a strike from Sebastian Berhalter. Absolutely lovely finish. Set up by Ryan Gold. His 11th assistant MLS on the year. And when you see Berhalt strike from behind the goal, it's an absolute peach. He just connects so perfectly on it, the curl on it, beat Lund, all ends up, great finish. Up up there for one of the Whitecaps goals of the season, I would say. I agree. The, the finish is nice and the bend is nice. Uh, I, I don't know if Berkey lets that in. Mm. The, the positioning of the keeper is not great. He's a little too far, I think, to the left. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, but... But that again, that doesn't take anything away from Berhalter's finish. Um, it was it was really it was quite nice. One thing yep. I want to say about Berhalter is I think he's had a very solid season. One of those kind of like unsung, not really heroes because he hasn't maybe stood out tons, but he's been Mister Reliable. He's kind of taken mm. on Ruff. that mantle that used to get given to Rusty. Exactly. Yeah. And the great the thing, thing about it is it's meant Rusty's minutes have been limited. The other thing that adds, I think, to the quality of the goal for, for, for from Berthalter's perspective is that it's his left foot, right? Like, and he's not left-footed. Um, I was, I was, I was kind of surprised to see him even just attempt it with his left foot, and then the quality of it was like, was kind of like, wow. At, at the start of the season, he had targeted. He wanted to get one goal this year, so he's got two now. So he's already doing that. Well, then there's the, the last goal. Yeah, I was coming at that. I was going to oh, say sure. the cherry on top, the icing on the cake. Richie Larea gets his first goal as a white cap. Didn't he look happy after it, Zach? He did not look happy to hit it, but we, Vanny kind of alluded to maybe why. Because I, I asked him after the game, is that is it good for Richie after missing a couple of really good opportunities to, to get on the score sheet? And Vanny basically said, Richie's put a lot of pressure on himself. And he's felt after some of those misses, he's come in the locker room and went, it's my fault, we didn't win the game, I didn't score that. So mm. he's really put pressure on himself to score. And it is it is my criticism, I have of him as a player, that he doesn't get as many goals as I think he should. And maybe this will help him. I think it is interesting to note, though. I I hadn't really picked up on this, but they were talking about it in the on the pregame show on Saturday because I was listening to that at the start of the game on the radio as I was driving back from from UBC. That Larea's never played in a system like this before in his career, so oh, this yeah, is a I little mean, bit of an alien setup for him. So it's taken him a yeah. little bit of getting used to it, and it's like ah, that that's fair. I mean, he's come in, he's still getting his fitness as well. He's getting used to the the turf, he's getting used to the new teammates. So I can maybe cut him a little bit off slack. Still don't think 
he's performed at a level that I say, let's throw a DP contract at him for next year. Yeah. I think you're not, I think you're in the majority on that. <laughs> mm. And I was joking to Alex Gaguruzic about this during the game. We were talking about that. And then when he scored the goal, I went, well, that might have put a little bit of a dollar on his, his value. But it was a nice finish and it was nice that it was set up by Sam as well. Yeah, that was that was that was the Canadian nice connection, but yeah, I need to see more from him. Just like yeah. I need to see more from Junior Hoylet to to show that he's worthy of coming back next year. Don't think things are going quite no. as Junior had hoped here. Speaking of things not going the way the way the Whitecaps would like, we skip yeah. over the maybe the aside from the you know clinching the playoffs about the biggest part I, of the. I, the I, I was going to save that to the end. Yeah, the the big the big disappointment, the big sour point of the night. They ran out of food in the press box. Harmy did not get fed on Wednesday night. I got there quarter past seven, no food left. Terrible. But that was what you meant, wasn't it? No, I was referring to the Kubas injury. Oh. It's okay, I went and got some pulled uh short rib mac and cheese from downstairs. That was like cheese soup. I did not enjoy that. Billy, if you want to talk about the injury more than whether I was happy with the food or not, I guess we can. Yeah, that Kubis injury, I mean, it looked bad. And as you came off, it was hard to work out initially. Was it his shoulder? Was it his wrist? He was holding his face at one point. It's like, it was like, what exactly is wrong with him? And when it looked like it might have been wrist, we were like, oh, that's okay. It's just his wrist. Because we thought, I hope it's not a concussion. Hope it's not a shoulder injury. A wrist, at least you can play with a cast on. Yeah. So he's day to day, he's week to week. They're hoping he could be good to go for the LAFC game, which makes it sound it's maybe not as bad as feared, but that would be a huge blow. As good as I think Sebastian Berhalter has been when he's come in and performed in that position as cover, come off as a sub or whatever. Going into the playoffs, Kubis is the guy that you just not only want, but you need there for the Whitecaps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a significant, significant loss. It, again, nothing nothing negative about Berhalter, but I think Kubis has been one of the one of the best signings Vancouver's had in this yeah. kind of Vanny era. I said in last week's show. I think he's dropped off a little bit as the season's gone on, and it's probably the tiredness factor. So this might be a blessing in disguise in that regard if he can get a bit of rest. But can he keep his fitness up then at the same time? So it's like a double-edged sword in, in that regard. But, I mean, fingers crossed, they, they need him for for the players. There's certain players on the team if you're going in the postseason without gold, without white, without Kubis, they're, they're your big three yeah. you're worried about. The other ones, there's good depth, there's good cover. It might need a tweak in the formation, but Vanny's liking the three at the back. And if you're playing the three at the back, you need that DM in front of it that is going to do the business, and, and Kubis is the man for that. He was missing in the, the game on Saturday as... Whitecaps headed down the I-5. The Cascadia champions headed for another game in Cascadia, in middle Cascadia. I was disappointed I couldn't get down for it because I was commentating at UBC. 
the way the the game played out, a nil nil draw, I was quite happy. I didn't go in the end, and <laughs> I have to come back after it. I mean, it wasn't a boring game; it was no, an exciting no. game. But I mean, it was nervous enough watching those last twenty minutes from the couch. I uh, wouldn't really have liked to have been in the press box or in the stands watching that. I I think the way the game played out. I know you can look at Ryan Gold hitting the post as as the Whitecaps' best chance, but they had no shots on target. Yeah, that would that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, they, but, they but, played but, well. But, they built up well. It was a yeah. very good point to come away with in the end. It's one of those. I mean, like it's always always that with stats, right? You can look at them in different ways. They yeah. still created chances. Like in the first half, was it uh, Hoylet? Hoylet should have put that. Yes. That, not even just on on the on the net, but like in the back. <laughs> there was Larea that set that one up as well. I think so. Like, yeah, yeah. That was a really good run by Larea. I, I was worried in the early going because Leo Chu was just ragdolling Laborda out there. He was having a really tough time against him. Leo Chu is fantastic. I loved him how he played when he was up here in, in the game and. He's a very good addition to that Sounders team. Well, he's also, I think, uh, someone that Vancouver fans have a lot to be thankful for with his his uh, sending off against his goal and then his sending off yes. against Portland to win. Yes, the that's true. He had a very strong game, and maybe his finishing did let him down. But I was I was very worried for Laborda, and then when Laborda got a card, I was even more worried. I thought yeah. it was a good move late on. Because I, I was starting to think they need to get Laborda and Sam off. Mm. Just they're on yellows, they're getting a tour of time, they're tiring. And I thought this is the time to bring on Ryan Raposo and on the one wing and then bring on uh, Javane Brown on the other. That's exactly what, what Vanny did. So I breathed a huge sigh of relief at that. Those last 20 minutes, Seattle's going to be wondering how they didn't score. Yeah, well, but we'll we'll get into a little bit as to how they they didn't score because they forced five saves out of Yohei Takaoka, and they nearly won it at the death, and might be my save of the season in the end of year awards. There's still that one that he had in the Voyagers Cup against Montreal that I think's probably gonna win it for me very similar saves actually just a yeah. getting down full down length to the right. turn it away at the yeah. last ditch it was a great header by Roldan but what a save by Takaoka and what a game by Takaoka I, I think he needed that after some of his recent performances was that also was it like the last minute of like time added on too was oh, it yeah the, it was, de- it was, was beyond the, the stoppage yeah. time so yeah it was really at the death it would have been heartbreaking to lose it at, at that point after such a a solid defensive thing. I mean, Vanny talked afterwards, like, to a man, that defensive unit, they kept their shape, they did, they did well, the midfielders tracked back and put in. We saw Brian White back there defending. Not always the best defending. And there was a couple of times I was like, that's why you don't want your striker. It, was, it reminded me of, like, Freddie Montero when he would get back in the box and try and defend. And it's like, yeah, Brian, maybe just stay out the box a little bit. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because again, there there wasn't a huge amount of rotation, right? Like it, it was a, a well, there was five a, changes from Wednesday. Oh yeah, okay. Well, the Kubis one was a forced. Yeah, okay, there was, but it, like I don't know, they play they play, Maybe you have a different opinion, but it felt like they they looked a little bit tired. Yeah, 
the 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 running the the Ryan Bryan show into the ground. We'll we'll talk about them in the next part. Yeah, but it's understandable. But then they've got two weeks off now, so there is a chance to get. I I believe the team's going to be off this week. It's going to give them the chance to get away for a, a little vacation. Aside from the Canadian players that have to travel to Japan, which I, I'm sure Canadian national team fans are like, oh, this is a good test against Japan. Why mid-season fly these guys to Japan? I know beggars can't be choosers with what games they get, and they do need a good test against Nations League, but it's just like, oh, such long travel when you're just about to get into the business end of the North American season. Oh, this I mean, this is a total aside, but man, Japan's on a tear right now, man. Mm-hmm. Like, Japan is in, like, really, really good form. I hope... <laughs> I hope that we, yeah, can put in a performance in that game. Yeah. I, Ali Ahmed didn't get the call up, and I was delighted. Sad for Ali that not getting another cap. But it's well, like, yeah, just keep Ali here, keep him rested. Why Why do you think that is? Because like, his form, the, his form the, hasn't dipped that injury, much, right? With the injury, and he's been in and out of the team, so I don't think he's been stable. Okay. I mean, I, I would have liked if the Whitecaps just said, can you not take all our Canadians and at least leave one? <laughs> So yeah. we've got somebody fresh for the LAFC game. But, I mean, Larea of the three is probably the biggest worry for me, tiredness-wise, because he's the guy that's been starting more regularly. Yeah. But, I mean, again, on the upside, at least, like, it's not like these players are all gone and the league's carrying on. Yeah, well, there are some <laughs> games next weekend, well, but that's, these are these are makeup games. But, yeah, thankfully, right. we, we are off. Apparently, next year... MLS has said they will honour all international dates. Coincidence with Lionel Messi in the league going away and missing matches. Oh, yeah. Obviously, that is the the clear reason. Yeah. Um, But it's about time. But that said, that's going to mean more cramming of midweek matches in because we've got the, the League's Cup shut down again. Oh, yeah. So it's just, you can do that. And we've seen all these weather issues as well. Colorado... I don't know how many mirrors they broke or cats they run over, but geez, they have been hit with weather delays constantly. Yeah, that's that is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, we just talked about a Wednesday night game that was not great for the gate, and that's not a Vancouver thing alone by any stretch of the oh, imagination. No. No. So it's yeah. I wonder. I guess. I guess the owners balance that all out in terms of revenue from league's cup and I yeah guess. i don't know apple yeah. money and yeah, i was I mean, gonna there, say is it there, apple money? there's gonna be midweek playoff games as well yeah like but that, that, he's gonna have midweek games it's, and, that's different right yeah I mean, and the stadium availability for some clubs as well with nfl and that's true like us with but, cfl and yeah at least there's no more concerts i, I believe this year to to screw us over but getting back to the Whitecaps defence and Yohi Takaoka I think this was one of his games of the season and I think it's fair to say he's had a a little bit of a, an up and down season but on the whole he's been a good addition we've, we've talked about it on the show before he's played in 32 games eight clean sheets he's had some great saves he's had some flaps I mean it happens with goalkeepers I think you can maybe question some of his positioning, maybe some of his decision-making as well, where he does seem to make his mind up very early where he's going to go 
for crosses or whatever, and the ball doesn't always end up where he thinks it's going to go, and it's he's been caught out for that. But I think this was a a good performance by him. Yeah, well, yeah, and yeah, we've talked about how his distribu- distribution, which is what part of what he's known for, has also been been an issue in these in these yeah. last couple of games. Uh, the uh, the one, I know we sort of talked about it one game, but he has this. Uh, just from it's more like a PR thing, but like he has this response to sometimes, yeah, you're doing her, <laughs> yeah, just a grin, yeah, just this incredulous grin. grin. Something happens that you know shouldn't have happened or doesn't go their way or whatever, and yeah, he has this smile that is not. I I think it's hard for maybe I don't know if it's just like North American sports fans to cope with or to deal with but yeah, i've heard of, i've heard a few people complain no and it. it annoys me as well but yeah. oh, okay it's not just but a north american thing I, then i did ask vanny just about yohi's performance against seattle and just kind of the up and down season he's had here's what he had to tell me wanted to ask about yohi he's he's had a little bit of up and down games in, in the last kind of couple of weeks but i think he really earned his coin tonight and that save and and deep deep in stoppage time was like world class. Yeah, it was world class. I, it reminded me of the save that he did against Montreal in the final. And um, you know, I think he he reacted very well. He had a you know the goalkeeper is a position that where you don't do turnover, and maybe we we should think about doing turnover sometimes. And probably he was in a moment of form that he wasn't at top because he played every game and he had uh, a period of three, four games, uh, like uh, uh, RSL, DC, Colorado, that he wasn't probably at top. But I talked with him and I say, hey, uh, how do you feel? What do you th- we, are, we are totally in confidence with you, but we need to have to hear from you. You want to... If you feel well or not, and he said uh, actually that he that he wanted to prove that uh, that was just a bump in the road and uh, and doing well. And the last two games, to be honest, he did very well because you know, the save also that he made when we were zero zero against uh, San Luis was very, very good. His distribution today was top notch, and so yeah, uh, we saw the we saw the Yohei that we saw for the first uh, six months in the last two games. So Yohei Takaoka, if he's hitting his best form of the season at the business end of the season, I'm a, I'm here for it because they're going to need him to come up big in the playoffs. Goalkeepers, as we know, can be very much the difference makers when it comes to these kind of playoff games. With that point, and a very good point it was as well, the Whitecaps moved up to fifth in the West, booking a home playoff game and a top seven finish. Who could they play? Well, we'll get into some of those permutations in the next part and we'll talk about a couple of the players and the Ryan Bryan connection. We'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of October. It's an Italian band, and I, I mentioned this in last week's show, that we were going to have an Italian band this month, Zach, to spur Vanny on into the playoffs, touch a home for him. I can't 100% find out where they're from. I think it is the Milan area, but it's very vague online as where they're from. So we'll just say they're an Italian post-punk goth band. They're called They Die. That was a song from their debut album released in 2021. The album is called Deviant Love. That song, That Flame Goes Out. One of my favourite tracks on their album. It was one of those bands that during lockdown it came up as a recommendation on YouTube. Watched a video for that particular song that had got released in 2020. The band were just formed in 2020 and loved it. Checked out the stuff on Bandcamp. You can find all their stuff in all the usual places on Bandcamp. They are theydie1.bandcamp.com Love the sound. It's very old school, 80s goth, if you like Bauhaus, Sisters of Mercy. Just all that sort of early 80s goth sound captured perfectly all these years later by the band. Takes me back as well to my days of going to the Edinburgh nightclub, The Mission. Talked about that a little bit on the show before. We'll talk more over the month about my memories of that absolutely fantastic club. They Die would certainly fit in perfectly with everything that they had on their three floors of great gothic sounds. Uh, They've got a second album that came out last year as well. So for the rest of this month, we'll play a couple of songs from They Die. We've got another one to kick off part three. That song, that flame goes out, and Vanny will be hoping that the Whitecaps flame doesn't go out anytime soon and burns bright well into November. He said after the the game on Wednesday night, he wants to make sure that all us media are kept busy working well into November. So that's nice (laughs) of him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure as well, the flame that he particularly does not want to burn out is the, the Brian Ryan connection. Ryan White, Ryan Gold on an absolute tear. And the two of them have combined for 15 goals between them, as in one has set up the other 15 times this season. And, I mean, this, the stats are tremendous. The The viewers will... Well, the viewers... The listeners won't see this. If it was viewers, they would. But behind me, I've got my working class MVP Ryan Gold hat. Oh, yeah. Put that on just now. Looking it's a, good. It's an interesting hat. Not a big fan of the mesh hats, I've got to say, just in general, just because the sun goes through it and burns my big bald head. But it's getting into the, the not sunny season, so it's perfect. So I will wear that around Vancouver as the Whitecaps try to get the Ryan Gold for MVP votes. It's not going to happen, primarily because I think most of the North American soccer media don't care about the Whitecaps and don't watch the Whitecaps to, to know really how good Ryan Gold has been this year. Because um, it's not just his goals and assists. Like He's got 11 goals, 12 assists. But there's a great article on the Whitecaps site as to just exactly his other contributions when it comes to 
to tackles and other sort of metrics and, and stuff as well. Since May 31st, no one in MLS has recorded more goal contributions than Ryan Gold. He's had 22 in that time. And across all competitions, he's got 12 goals, 16 assists, and just his chemistry and his link-up play with Brian White has been phenomenal. White is on another career year, having had one with us back in 2021. He's got 15 goals and 5 assists in MLS play, 19 goals across all competitions. I think he, he would have been on and in with a chance for, for the golden boot if it hadn't been for the spectacular week that LAFC's uh, Denis Buanga had. Mm-hmm. Five goals over two matches for Buanga, finding his form that he showed at the start of the season. So he's now on 19 goals. White is on 15. White is third in the Golden Boot race with three other players. He's one behind Luciano Acosta from Cincinnati and four behind Buanga now. But, I mean, the Brian Ryan connection, Zach, has just been an absolute joy to watch this season. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been huge. Uh, Gold has helped uh, White return to the, the form of his first half season in Vancouver. And uh, has him, I think, again, kind of uh, punching above his weight uh, in a good way, in a way that you long for, in a way that you maybe in, to some degree expect from 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 your players. But yeah, no, they've been a dynamic duo that uh, is is the reason why Vancouver's in the uh, clinch already clinched the playoff and has a has a chance to do damage in the playoffs. Did you see? Vanny's talking about dynamic duos. Did you see Vanny's quote about Batman and Robin from this week? Uh, I heard about it, yeah. (laughs) He's not a fan of Batman. Vanny, obviously, a big staunch socialist and feels that Batman is just a a rich capitalist that is just using his rich money as, like, boys' toys and stuff. So, yeah, he's not not a fan of Batman and Robin. But, I mean, they are a dynamic duo. I don't think you can get away from that. Their play has certainly sparked the Whitecaps. And I, I was curious, like, I've, I've followed Ryan Gold's career from his time in Scotland with Dundee United, and I, I didn't remember him kind of having this kind of connection, this kind of chemistry with another player that I've seen. So I asked him about that after the game on Wednesday night. Here's what Ryan had to tell me. When you look back at your career so far, have you had any on-pitch relationship come close to what you've got with Brian just now? The chemistry, you just seem to instinctively know where each other are. In the- it's, you know, it's something I like to, um, I like to try and do when, um, whenever I go to a place, you know, obviously because I like to play close to a striker. And, um, it's, I try and like develop a, a relationship on the pitch with with whoever I'm playing with, and I don't think any's kind of been as um, as delivered as many results as as what I've got with Brian so far. So um, yeah, hopefully that continues. And you know, I've been telling him. I think he fell a couple of goals behind the the golden boot. I know um, it's not the biggest deal, but um, you know, I owe him a goal after that missing that pass in the first half. So um, hopefully in Seattle I can get him a couple, and um, we can push for that for him. What do you think's 
clicked then between you that, that's had this chemistry going? Uh, just, I think we we both look at the game the same way. Um, and, you know, now after a couple of years, we've played a lot of, we've played a lot of games together. Um, we've, you know, we try and get as close as we can together at training and play off each other and just kind of develop a, an understanding of how each other likes to play the best, what positions we're, we like to be in. And, uh, yeah, it's just trying to kind of understand the the areas we like to play in on a pitch and um, kind of feed off of that a wee bit. Interesting to, to hear Ryan there. They're very similar-minded players. They think about the game the same way. And it just seems instinctive now that each one knows where the other one's going to be. It doesn't always come off, as we know. When you look at the amount of times that maybe White has should have finished and hasn't or just hasn't gotten the end of a gold cross or vice versa, those numbers could be like spectacular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the way they they've combined and the stats they put up are, you almost you couldn't. I mean, you could ask for more, but you could, you know, in one sense, you couldn't ask for more uh, from them. I, I who 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 do you think is going to win MVP? Ah, uh, that's that's a that's a tough question. Um, like the cost is to, in the conver- cost is in the conversation. I, right? Yeah, I was going to say you've got to look at Cincinnati, and I think Acosta would be the star guy from there. I mean, who else is in that? Con- Buanga's got to be in it for his goals alone, but I mean, Mukhtar is always in the frame. He's had another good year. and But I I think it will go to a Cincinnati player. It's been an interesting season. And when you look back at the Whitecaps' time in MLS, I can't think of two other players that have worked so good together as Golden White. Hasley Camilo had something going, but it maybe just. Sometimes it felt like they were fighting against each other for the goals as opposed to contributing to get them. Wasn't Kenny also good with Camilo in that in that big 22-goal year? Yeah. Russell I mean, Tybert not, was good as well that year. But it's not to the... but Not, <laughs> not to that extent, maybe, yeah. Not, not to the yeah ongoing, non-stop kind of nature that this, this relationship... The thing has. is now is making sure that they both stay healthy. Because yes. when gold got whacked to the... Or, White got whacked to the head in the Seattle game. We're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And every time you see Ryan getting a whack because of the concussions that he had last year, you you get a little worried as well. So this this break, I think, is good. It, they've already clinched the spot. Yeah, the last game of the season's important, but it takes a little bit of the of the pressure off them. One of, one of the other media members had said, what's with all this working class MVP stuff? And it stems from something Vanny said, I think, way back in June. Whereas... You've got your big stars, your Messi's, these Vela, Zlatan that come into the league and it's like they're well-known, they're flashy, your big shiny expensive cars and you know what they're going to do. Then you've got other players that come into the the league, Ryan Gold, if you think back to other guys that's kind of lit it up, Diego Valeri in Portland. Yeah. Not a flashy name, not a flashy DP, did the business amazingly. He's more in, I mean, I guess because he's like Central, like, where, wait, Acosta, is he Argentine? Yeah. Yeah. So because he's from, uh, like, Valeria, from from Argentina, that 
it has the same kind of kind of flair. I know I've I've heard and read conversations people talking about like yeah, if gold was from you know Central America or South America, his hype would be bigger and his people would be more in awe of his skills. Do you do you think that? I mean, the Vancouver thing I understand. Like the the community is not the the biggest community in the sports industry, yeah. whatever. I get that, but do you think that gold is hurt by the fact that he's not like from Latin America? No. I, I, I think it's because of who he plays for. Yeah. You put Ryan Gold performing at this level in any of the American teams that's got eyeballs on it, and then it gets attention. Folk just don't watch the Whitecaps. Like, a lot of the MLS media, they love Vanny. They love Vanny's antics. But Western Coast team, the Eastern journalists aren't really sit, sitting up to watch Vancouver games at 10.30, they might watch the odd highlight here or there. I mean, the Player of the Month nominations came out and it had the short list of players. I get to to vote on that. And Brian White wasn't on it, so I had him as a write-in person. And it, there, there was folk on that list that had performed l- worse than White had done in the month. Oh, I believe it. And it's like, White has scored in four straight games. It just—it's that kind of stuff. It's like folk don't pay that close attention to Vancouver. Yeah, and like Gold doesn't care. It's like he's just here to do his job. Just like yeah, I, I, there might have been a time he cared about not getting into the Scotland team. He—he he lives with that now. He doesn't like all this MVP stuff either. He's—he's he's a very—he's a—he's a shy. Well, maybe not shy, but he's a quiet guy. He's very self-effacing. He—he he wants to be away from the limelight. He's a working class hero, Michael. Yeah, and that is part of the the reason for it. Like, he puts his head down and does the dirty work and doesn't expect the plaudits because that's his job. That's what he's been brought here to do. But anyway. So, I mean, that has obviously helped the Whitecaps get to where they are right now. Something else that has as well, though, has been this turnaround in a waveform, which has been quite incredible. Since getting their first away win of the season against LAFC in June. They've had 10 games, including that LAFC game, where they've won four, drawn three, and lost three. 15 points from a possible 30, so they've taken 50% of their waypoints available, and they've won more than they've lost on the road. Consider that, at the start of the year, or across the whole season in their 17 games, they had four wins, seven draws, and six defeats, taken 15 sorry taking 18 points from a possible 51 which was 35 percent of the points available over the course the course of the season but that turnaround in the last 10 games is what's got them to where they are just now 10 away games oh yeah and it it feels like the the season has been this kind of even though there are ups and downs, it's been like it's been crescendoing for them, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's leading up to this hopefully this great run in the in the playoffs yeah. as a as a as a grand finale. Because like the thing is, there were some blips in that seven game stretch, but it's understandable for so many reasons. There's the tiredness factor. There's the fact that they were going from playing in heat and humidity in Houston to two games in altitude. Uh, it takes a lot on your body to do that. I don't know if you can hear my dogs snoring in the background if you hear any weird noises on the podcast. 
She's obviously dreaming of the Brian Ryan connection and getting all excited. Oh, I thought you fed her turkey. No. She likes chicken. Oh. She, she's got a microchip thing. And when you register it, it says, what can you tell us about your dog? So we just put, loves chicken. <laughs> so if anyone finds her, just feed her chicken. And she'll be yours forever. Much like me with chocolate digestives, if you... If I want to do that. But anyway, back to the Whitecaps away form. I mean, it... It's been great. Their home form, though, is a little concerning. I kind of delved into that. Mm. This might surprise you to know the Whitecaps' home form this year is worse than last year's when they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, that does feel strange, does it? Mm. But it doesn't. I mean, I double checked it. I I was like, oh, last year. Well, right now we're one game to go. They've got eight wins, five draws, three defeats. Last year, 10 wins, 3 draws, 4 defeats. Hmm. So, 2 less wins. We've taken at home this year 60% of the points available. And I think that is the difference as to why we're not in the top 2 just now. Oh, we've yeah. found a way to get points on the road, but we've dropped some bad ones at home. Yeah, well, yeah. Earlier in the season, I can't remember I can't remember which, which game I'm thinking of, but... It was it was the, the just recently it was the goalless draw against DC United, right? Like that. Oh, two 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 draw. Oh, sorry, two two draw. The two drop points against DC United were yeah, just like, and then okay. we lost to San Jose. Yes, that's another one. Which could have been. I mean, after that, I was like, oh man, this is this is bad, bad, bad. Yeah, it is. It is crazy to think that this is this clinching is on the back of their their road form, which. Which is great because there's a chance that the you know their best of three series they might be playing two games on the road. Yeah, and if they play like they do in Seattle, as I mentioned, that would have gone to penalties last night, and then it's a absolute lottery. And they now, well, and they have some good experience with that over the last couple of years. Yeah, I I, I know good a lot of folk, good, some good experiences. I guess not all. Yeah, I know a, a lot of folk and I've seen the comments. They don't like that. There's no extra time. The games go straight to penalties. I actually quite like it since it's a best of three series. I've liked how it's worked in MLS Next Pro. I, I think it's it's good. It might make for some boring games, though, as teams are just hanging on. I cast my mind back to RSL beating Seattle in the playoffs, having not registered one shot on goal in the whole match, over 120 minutes. Yeah. You might see some performances like that. Absolutely, yeah. I don't like the format, but I'm open to seeing how it goes and to having my mind change. Um, I mean, the the three, the best of three, I, I just don't like in principle. But the, you yeah. know how I feel about games going to shootouts directly. I, I just I don't. Yeah. Like, I understand. I understand, especially in a best of three series, why you do that in terms of the the players and and all that. But yeah, I mean, I'm being a little hypocritical because I I'm against it usually as well. But yeah, but I mean, the, the uptick in away form, it's been a good thing. So. Asked Vanny, Ranko and Yohei about that after the Seattle game. Here's what they had to say about those turnaround and fortunes on the road and what they feel is behind it. Last away game of the regular season and I just having a look over the stats there. So over the season... 37% of the points taken, but since you got that win in LA in June, 
those 10 games, it's a 50% record. What, what do you feel has attributed to that turnaround? And like a game like that tonight, these are exactly what you need to do on the road because, I mean, in the playoffs, that would have gone to penalties tonight. There's a lot of things that change. Uh, the main thing was the the uh, awareness that uh, we are a good team and we were going to um, play well. So we did very well in the second part of the season away. Uh, another thing for me, the tactics. When we went back three, we we never we never made a wrong performance on the on the road, more or less. And uh, uh, with the back three, you're more protected centrally and against team and in games where you're not uh, in charge of the game, like it happens when you are away, you can defend uh, even more and better and uh, try to, to counter. Uh, and that's actually what we did fantastically in the first half if uh, today. And uh, yeah, that's the thing. But again, and also the quality of the team is you know, it's improved a lot during the season. The guys that were at the beginning, they they improved in the system and everything. The new guys they came in to get today, they all did a good performance, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Sam uh, Junior and, and Richie that is playing every game more or less. So that's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really that's that's really good. Really good. I'm very happy of the performance. I'm very happy of the results. It could have been both ways, to be honest. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's fair at the end of the time. Ranko, congratulations on a, another away point. Talking about the away form, since you got that first win in LA back in June, you've taken 50% of the points available on the road, you've won more than you've lost on the road. How have you seen the change in the team away from home and, and what do you put that down to? Uh yeah, we were terrible in away games first first part of the season. But so yeah, that that LA game meant a lot. We saw that we can we can take points away, uh, and after that, so we also have like we got new players. We we talked a lot about the away games that it's home. You know, we know we're gonna take points. We're a good team, but we need to be uh, like tougher team to be harder to break us in away games and uh, to be patient for our chances and in. After after LFC games, we had as you said fifty percent. So it's a it's a really good it's a really good result. So yeah. as I said, it, it's gonna help us. We need to continue like this because now the most important part of the season is coming. Vanny talked about a big part of the, the reason that he kind of sees in the the change in away form is like moving to three at the back from from four at the back for a number of these games. As, as a central defender. How different is it for you from playing three at the back to four at the back? Well, yeah, I think also it helped us because it gives us more stability in the central part of the field. Uh, we had uh, uh, some some problems in the per- first uh, part of the season conceding some goals from crosses. Uh, but yeah, it, it apparently it helped us so uh, to continue like this and it helped us when we have now wingbacks who can step higher on, the, on their fullbacks and put more pressure. In the playoffs, these are the, the kind of games that you're going to need to win away from home on the road. The team has had a big turnaround in how well they've played on the road. In the last 10 games, you've won more on the road than you've lost. Watching that all play out in front of you as the goalkeeper, 
what difference have you seen in the team in the last 10 games to maybe the team that started the season in these away from home games? You know, uh, you can see we played with confidence and um, I think the better than the start of the season. And, uh, you know, it was tough game, seven games in a row uh, in away games. So uh, we played uh, be patient, uh, smart and uh, hardworking and that's why we uh, we got point uh, we struggle uh, we we got points so yeah yeah we yeah we played yeah very well Vani Sartini, Ranko Veselinovic, Yohei Takaoka, talking about the uptick in the Whitecaps away form in these last 10 road games. And Vani puts a lot of it down to moving to a back three. He just feels it's really that with the wing backs and the way that everyone's defending as a unit when they come back has really helped this team turn things around a little bit. And I know when we had added... Lorea and Adekugbe, I think you had said, oh, does that mean they're going to a back four? And I was like, no, no, no. It's like three yeah, wing with backs. wing backs. Yeah. And it, it seems to be working. So Vanny so Vanny says it's the coaching that's that's got them. Partly. Formation. <laughs> yes. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> the, the coach did say that, yes. But it, 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 that is an interesting, interesting element in it because they, yeah. Because wasn't it earlier in the season where the back three wasn't working? That's why they switched yeah. away from it. Yep. So and then coming back, maybe, to maybe it, just personnel, just some chemistry. Hmm. Uh, like Wednesday night, I mean, I, I've kind of he's been a little bit maligned over the course of the year. Javane Brown, I thought against St. Louis, Javane Brown had a, one of his best games of the season. It seems like an it, excellent Wednesday. It seems like that. It, it seems like his season has been, he's been one of the, the top performers on the pitch or he's been like one of the worst. Mm. So he's been like a goat either way, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I like Laborde has had a bit of an up and down season as well. Yes, Blackman yes. still looks tired. So hopefully this two weeks is going to give him the, the rest that he needs. And Ranko's just been a, a beast th- this season. If it wasn't for like Ryan and Brian's performance at the other end of the pitch, I mean, Ranko's in player of the year consideration for, for the Whitecaps, I, I would say. Yeah, consideration, but again, you can't look past... Oh, no, no, no. Like, he'd be my third choice in the yeah. in 3-2-1 voting. Yeah, okay. But they've got to keep this going now. They've got to use this two weeks as a chance to get everyone healthy, rested up, ready to go. There's one more regular season game to go. We'll just kind of round off this part, but looking at the playoff picture in the the East and the West. So, Whitecaps can't finish any higher than fourth, but they could finish anywhere from fourth to seventh. If they beat LAFC and Houston drop any points at all at Portland, so a draw or a defeat, then the Whitecaps could overtake Houston. Well, they would overtake Houston for definite, but they still might not finish fourth because RSL and Dallas both have two games left. Weirdly, 
both against the same teams. RSL have Galaxy away next Saturday, and then they're away to Colorado. So you expect at least three points from the Colorado game, but it is a Rocky Mountain derby and all that stuff. So last game of the season, pride in the line. You never know. Dallas have Colorado away in the makeup game for the postponement next mm. weekend, and then they're away to the Galaxy as well. So interesting. Both teams have two away games to round off their season. RSL could still pip the Whitecaps to fourth, even if we beat LAFC next week. If that happened... RSL just lost to your your boy. Oh, that was an interesting game, though. That was a crazy game. Yeah. Johnny Russell second, getting the was goal it like again. Second or third minute sending off? Yeah, Justin Glad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they went feeling glad all over after that, I tell you. And then they had two nice strikes at the end. It was a good for... comeback to yeah. to make it interesting. Because when it was three now, I was like, oh, that's it. And then I saw the final score and I was like, what? Yeah, but it was crazy. I, I, I tell you what, like if the Whitecaps can beat LAFC, they'll be fourth or fifth. And there's a good chance that is a playoff best of three series against RSL. I take that. I fancy that. Yeah, I yeah I think I I think RSL is a team you 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 think you can beat over three games. But Houston, again, I think we could as well if we had two home games. Bit concerned if it was two away games. Yeah, that's fair. That's a U.S. Open Cup champion Houston Dynamo, right? Yes. I was happy about so you that. And I, you and I haven't really talked about that. No, yeah, I was pleased about that. Yeah, I think some people I've, I've been pleased with a few of the recent Miami <laughs> results, I've got to say. We'll come with that when we do our Eastern Roundup. Um, but, yeah, yeah. The one thing with ourselves, you can't take them lightly, though. No. I mean, they have a record of doing it in the playoffs. Yes, very but, much so. I mean, fantasy booking things here, but Whitecaps RSL in the first round... Potentially St. Louis then in the next round. I fancy that as a chance, at least. I know we haven't seen the full St. Louis. But right now, with the form that LAFC are in, and I know it's crazy that I'm saying if we can then beat them in the last game, like Buanga's banging the goals in. I want to avoid LAFC for as much as possible in the playoffs. Yeah, No one else really holds a lot of fear for me right now. Yeah, even Seattle. I know. I know. Seattle, big, 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 big. I like. We, Seattle feels if you can like play to nil nil draw, go to penalties, and then win the game here. There we go. It, Job done. I, I might. I might be wrong about them, but it still feels like they're gonna hit the playoffs and then go into another gear. Yeah, I mean, like they have last, all these wily old players. Yeah, last before. night they should have put a couple on the board. They could have yes. easily won that game two or three. They didn't. They didn't even. Am I right? They didn't even bring the Colombian on. Right? No, yeah, you I was, didn't. I was a little surprised. No Colombian to stir things up and put on a new brew and <laughs> <laughs> and wake up the team and score. I mean, in some ways, it would be nice to get Seattle at some point in the playoffs, just because the fans for both teams can make the trip. Because I think for any yeah. playoff oh, game, yeah. you want away fans there, and I, I, and I'm I mean this for everyone. I'd love away fans at BC Place. It just has that atmosphere that you should have for these kind of games. Oh, totally. So, I mean, you'll get a handful of travelling Whitecaps fans to some of these away games. I mean, Portland are still in with a shout. 
Minnesota and KC could still make it in. It's unlikely. Minnesota feel it's very unlikely because they've already sacked Adrian Heath. Which That's gonna be... There's been a couple of times over the years that I've thought Adrian Heath, his coat was on a sugarly peg, as we say in Scotland. But That's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Well, they responded in some style. Although, yes. I don't it know. Five... Was it against the, the Galaxy, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's only the Galaxy. But I don't know. Have you seen the other stuff that's happened in Minnesota? Play, uh, officials behind the scenes are on strike. Workers are on strike. No. Like at the stadium? Or yeah. The, the the pe people that are in charge of doing the video at the games and all that kind of stuff went on strike because they've had a long running, season long. They're trying to get health care, basically. Uh... And... Someone, I, I read a tweet, and I don't know if this is an accurate tweet, but the, the tweet was from, was from one of the officials of one of the unions. It would, it would cost Minnesota United $12,000 to give all those workers health care for the year. Not each, but 12000 combined. That's like the scene in Ocean's Eleven. Do you remember that? I haven't seen that. What? You've never watched Ocean's Eleven? No. Oh, dude, you got to watch Who did it. the beat in the final? <laughs> Ocean's uh, 11? You're hilarious. There's a scene in Ocean's 11 where it's a heist. It's kind of like a heist movie. And they're, uh, there's a team of 11 people. And they're, they, they have to... They send some of their people to a factory in Mexico to help with part of the heist or whatever. But then the factory goes on strike. <laughs> strike and the the guys who go down they like join the strike and whatever but then they, they call up and they're like okay so like how much do we got to pay to get this this strike over we can pay the factory to pay the workers or whatever and the guys like i don't know like 30 some odd thousand dollars or whatever and they're like okay and then there's like 400 workers so 36 times four they, they're like no 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 30 30 all in and they're like oh yeah we can do that <laughs> yeah Someone needs to get in touch with Minnesota then. So basically because of that, it's like, screw them. I hope they definitely don't get into the playoffs because that's absolutely shocking. Everyone should have health care benefits. It's just... We need to watch Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just one of those films I've just never got around to watching. I'm not a big action film. It's not action. It's like a heist. Yeah, action. It's not... It's not... Oh, yeah. Let's not get sidetracked. Anyway, yeah, Kansas City and Minnesota are outside the playoff spots just now with one game to go. So I think they could still get in, but it's tough to say. St. Louis wrapped up in first. LAFC are going to want to win that game against us because it would guarantee them second. Because yeah. right now they could still finish anywhere from second, third to fourth. Yeah, see, that's part of the problem for... For the Whitecaps is, I think you're going to see a highly motivated LAFC side. Portland, they they can't catch the the Whitecaps, so the Whitecaps against Portland would not happen in the in the best of three series. But I mean, yeah. I guess it could happen later on in the playoffs. So our best chance for Cascadia thing is something maybe Seattle down the line. San Jose, that's another team I wouldn't mind facing in the playoffs but they're in eighth just now and i guess they are the team that kansas city or minnesota could leapfrog depending on how things play out the yeah. 
San Jose's last game of the year. Let me get that up. I didn't actually look at theirs. Uh, here, let's see who does San Jose play. San Jose. Oh, they're at home to Austin, so you've got to fancy them to win that. But right now, the play-in game is going to be San Jose and Dallas. But Dallas are going to get some points, so it could be Portland, San Jose. It's going to be interesting how this all shapes out in the in the West. The the East as well is interesting. So what are you going to say? So you're you're saying if you could choose right now, you you'd want RSL. Yeah, RSL, RSL or San Jose, but San Jose that's not possible. Yeah. So yeah, I RSL is my first choice. Houston would be my second if we have the two home games. That's what we'd be looking at. Yeah. Houston's in some good form just now, but they have only won two games on the road all year. I mean, I'm talking about Salt Lake. I've just actually looked. Salt Lake have won seven games on the road this year. They've got the best away record in MLS. Wow. Oh, second weird. best. They're, second best to Orlando. Which is weird because they are also a club that they're, used, they're usually they, uh, their place in the table is determined by their home record. Because yeah, their home and record they've only got so six strong. home wins. They've got one of the worst in the West. Yeah, that's really oh, Okay, weird. best of three series, two games in RSL. I'll take that. <laughs> there we go. All sorted. Right, moving to the East. The Eastern standings, I don't know if you've looked at these, Zach. It is bizarre because sitting in the ninth and final playoff spot just now are DC United, but they're officially eliminated because they've played all 34 of their games. So because of who's someone's below them, points, yeah. yeah, someone's going to go above them. And it's like crazy to see a team in the playoff spots with eliminated yeah, beside yeah. their name. And, and, and they parted ways. Yes. There. The fact Granny Shagger has gone now, off to pastures new. I haven't looked it up yet. Is there any news about the rest of the coaching staff? I didn't initially see it when I looked last night. So I haven't seen what's happened today. I would imagine that they could all go. I said last week on the show, I would not be surprised if Robbo ends up in Toronto as assistant. But someone was saying to me, they're not sure that Robbo and Herdman get on that well. I don't know about that. I've never heard anything to indicate that, but this person was quite adamant. Mm. So yeah, I, I don't know. know. But I, yeah, I, I imagine Robbo's out as it's going to be a, a rebuild at DC. That has been a... It was mutually parting of the ways. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I, I think it's more likely than not that that he would go. But could you see him once again as going from assistant to the head coach? No, I, I don't think he'll be head coach in MLS again anytime soon. Oh, there you go. I think if anything, he'll go back overseas, probably get a championship League One team in England. I know he fancied the Rangers job once before, and that's available at the moment. He should never take that. Anyone. That is with either of the old firm teams, you have to just open up your whole life to a scrutiny that I don't think you would want. And just so much abuse from your own fans and the opposition fans. But yeah, in the East, Montreal were still hanging on, which is crazy considering they have a minus 15 goal difference. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're, they're still they're, there. They've been like throwing it away because they were like higher up. They were. They had been on a bad run, but then I, I PVR'd their game against Portland. They destroyed them. Aside from the 4-1 scoreline, like, it was yeah. non-stop Montreal play. Not good for Portland as well, 
after their recent good run of forms. Now, Montreal finished the season away to Columbus. So not, right. not the game you want because you're no. going to face Wilfred Nancy. Columbus haven't booked a top four position yet. They could still finish outside the top four. They could finish third if they win that game against Montreal as well. So a lot of interesting positioning still to go in the East. Somebody that is not going to be there, though. Lionel Messi. <laughs> but the bookmakers had them at 14-1 to 1 to win the MLS Cup. <laughs> I wonder how much the bookmakers made off of that. Oh, you can really imagine folk just think, oh, this is a dead cert. After they're forming the League's Cup, oh, they're going to do this without really looking at the table and the task that was ahead of them. They were still very much in it until the last two games, though. They've kind of thrown it away. So, I mean, obviously Messi was out. For, for games, and that is something that has cost them. Did you hear some of the fallout from the the game midweek? Where Messi didn't play? Yeah. And I, it had 63,000. Oh, yeah. Chicago and Miami. I saw that was someone was. had posted somewhere the letter from the Chicago front office or whatever about, you know, doesn't matter who's playing. We're, we're glad you're coming. Well, like yeah, folk were wanting their money back because Messi wasn't playing. Yeah, that's this is going to happen, happen all over the league now because Americans are going to think I bought a ticket to see Messi. I don't want to see Chicago play Miami without Messi. So folk were asking for money back. So Chicago said, "Oh, but you can get a discount on season on tickets." Season tickets, Hipsy. yes. That was in the letter. That was in the letter, I think. Which is it's also like... a slippery slope. To, to start doing things like that as well. Like, don't appease yeah, it, these but, fans. If anyone is like that, screw them. But if you're the Chicago, Chicago Fire and you're getting, you know... 63,000. Well, you're getting... Even if you get a, 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 a small fraction of, of of that, right? Yeah. As a season ticket holder and you're giving them 50 or or $100 discount on a season ticket, that's still probably a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, but... I mean... You weren't on the show last week when we talked about this. I take it you saw the quadrupling in prices of season tickets for Miami. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that, that was weirdly reported, right? Because the one person was like, "It was a mistake." So instead of going from seventy five hundred for his two tickets, it went to fifteen, not thirty or whatever. But yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. They have still gone up quite a bit. Oh yeah. So I mean, it, it, it might not be it, quite fully as was reported, but they have definitely gone up. It was something like 867 USD in the, like the supporter. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this is, this is what quite we said in the show last week. It's like, you're getting this money now. So what happens when Messi goes? Oh, like, yeah. Do you bring the prices back down? How do you win back the fans then that you have pissed off? Because obviously well, the, the Whitecaps have lost a ton of fans for other reasons over the years. And it's like they've struggled to to get them back. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the the structure for season tickets, yeah, you you have to think internally that Miami has had these conversations. So whether that's, hey, we know we're going to charge more now because we have this, you know, great player at the end of his career, and so we can charge more. But we know that when he retires, his contract's done, we're going to reduce our tickets and make them more in line with where we're at 
or the other part of the conversation is is it like you know um the galaxy sort of tried to do this but also like you know at, at real madrid right where it was always like okay who is the next galactico like who's yeah. the next huge person we're going to bring in so that we can keep the tickets at a but, but who would level? be that person because you're also then competing with this the Saudi league right now as well yeah, yeah, and, yeah mbappe that's... is the only person to me that i think could maybe be that kind of draw to replace yeah. him yeah i don't I, you're probably not wrong um and the, yeah that'll be interesting to see what that, when that happens right whether it's whatever a year or two or whatever it is from now but yeah this this continue and, and i mean the bigger thing is and what the saudi league has done at least a little bit with a few of the players is like and mls has also in, in, its, in its own way is can you get some of these players in their 20s or whatever like like yeah. like a toronto like a toronto did with jovinko who's obviously not as big of a name but e- brought even like what what they did in theory with insigne that was a huge game yeah but, but insigne was it was already in his 30s and and jovinko was like mid-20s or yeah whatever. that's true yeah he was a lot younger it was quite a bit different uh, insigne was more in line with like what they did with the league did with golden balls yeah whereas this messy thing is more in line with they did with ibrahimovic Almost right, like in terms of age, at least. I'd rather have this Scottish Messi. It's like, obviously, part of me would love Miami to be here next year, and we get Messi at BC Place. I also the circus that would go around that. I do. I don't know. I thought you told me you fancy the circus. Well, I used I used to think I I would run away with uh, a trapeze artist, but I'd like how bendy they were. Anyway. That is pretty much it for the MLS chat. Exciting decision day ahead. A couple of games next weekend as the makeup games and then decision day goes. October 21st, the Whitecaps game goes at 6pm that day. And there's no UBC home games that weekend as well. So it's a nice, oh, nice weekend off as well. But that is it for the Whitecaps chat. That is it for the MLS chat. We're going to turn our attentions to the CPL next. It's been another exciting weekend there as well. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Martin Nash, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our second song from our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of October from Italy. 
gothic punk band They Die with a cover version of Ultravox's 1984 classic Dancing with Tears in Their Eyes. That's taken from their debut album, 2021's Deviant Love. Scottish Connection, of course, the lead singer of Ultravox was mid-year. That's a fantastic Ultravox song, good version there. Do you know who else will have been dancing with tears in their eyes on Friday night, Zach? Probably in front of you. Friend of the show, Martin Nash. <laughs> I said hi to Marty. I was going to say, did you get a chance to congratulate just, him after the game? No, I didn't get to talk to him after the game, but before the game, he was coming out. I said hello. I couldn't get up to the, the game on Friday because I was heading back from UBC. I don't know if you watched it when you got back, but something happened that I, I don't really remember seeing very often. Martin Nash was smiling in his post-game interview. <laughs> I can't remember him smiling very much. But yeah. I, he will have been cock-a-hoop as his York United side booked their place in the 2023 CPL playoffs with a 2-1 win over your Vancouver FC boys on Friday night. Let's just chat a little bit about that one. Have you watched the goals back? Yeah, I have. That game should have finished 1-0. Mm, I, I haven't watched. There's one play I need to watch because uh, I need to watch back because in the stadium it looked, as uh, as all the kids would say, clear and obvious to me. But Was it York um, second? No, it was uh, Oh, it was near the end of the game. Uh, your buddy there, Nico, the goalie, uh, told the, the, the ball was... The ball was coming in. Our player came for it, and how I saw it in the stadium. And I'm there's a reason I'm not a referee. Um, but um, yeah. the the ball you, had your gone. Your parents were married when they had you. <laughs> the ball was gone, and Nico totally goes through. Totally just clears out. Oh, uh, Kanani, and yes. like, and, like, and then lies there like he's been shot. And to me, like in a in a in a system where there's proper VAR. That's a penalty. No, I don't think it was. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't watched it back. But. The, the issues I have is York's second goal, the ball was clearly out of play at so, least once, potentially twice. On on both, like on the end line, or on the sideline and the yeah. end line? Oh. No, just the sideline, I think. The sideline one, so yeah, in the stadium, it looked like it out and everyone was hauling for it to out. The, oh, the one, oh, yeah, sideline and end, and end line. So the sideline one... um. As I watch that back, there's... It's not clear. Yeah, like, again, the camera angle doesn't help you much at all because you're like, oh, okay, maybe that could be... Maybe that could be, like, the ball's over the... Like, there's no white part of the ball touching the white line, but it actually... It, it's, you know, the hole of the ball has not crossed the hole of the line. But it did look... Yeah, it did seem like it was very, very much out... out, out, uh, out um and then, uh, yeah, I mean, our goal is obviously offside. Yeah. I, that, saw, saw, I saw your tweet about it too. <laughs> but yeah. I wanted York to clinch the playoff spot. Uh, it would have been nice for Vancouver FC to finish the season with a win. But it's like, it wouldn't have mattered what teams were playing in that situation. My outrage yeah. would have been the same. That is so clearly offside. Like... There's other ones where you can talk about, oh, maybe the referee was like, 
listening to the or the linesman was listening to the kick of the ball and not watching when the ball was played or it was so close it was really hard to tell that he he was so offside before the pass and then when the pass is made he's still clearly offside and the linesman seems in line I just do yeah. not know how he misses that yeah it's 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 pretty atrocious I agree, I agree with you egregious um yeah we talked before about how it's not so bad when there's a, a wrong decision made whether it's with VAR or without VAR and it doesn't ruin the game but I think this is an example where the multiple situations, I think, yeah, ruin the result of the game for sure. Well, I mean, that, I, I that have, could I have been I, costly for York as well. Like, if if your lads had got an equalizer, who knows how things would then have played out for them. Well, because Ottawa went on to win the next day. Yeah. Right? See, I would have preferred, uh, if I'm, <laughs> uh, obviously, yeah, I would have preferred Vancouver FC had won and then, uh, and then Forge had beaten uh, uh, Ottawa. I would, that's how I would have preferred things to have gone. Well, I didn't want Force to finish second. I wanted Halifax to finish second. And if they had that's just fair. scored one more goal against Valor and they certainly yes. had the chances to do that, yes, then they would have finished crazy. second. It was, a, it, was like, a great, it was a great season. It was a great end to yeah. the season for the league as a whole. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was frustrating that the game had to be marred by more of that. I, I can't remember if I said, said this on the last time I was on, but... The the owners uh, had a there was a big gathering in uh, in Halifax a number of weeks ago, and the the what to do about officiating and VAR VAR light like VAR in the penalty box or whatever is something that they um, are very actively pursuing for for next year. They've had all kinds of com- uh, conversations about what can be done and whatever, right, including long term like do they, they set up their own version of like their own kind of like pro right because like again in case people don't understand it's not the league does not set up organize evaluate hold accountable the referees at all right it's the canadian soccer association that mm-hmm. does that and it's not to add to the list of things that people can be angry at the canadian soccer association for but that's just the reality of how things work um but in so that that's how it used to work in the for MLS and, and, and other American leagues in in the U.S. where the USSF would be responsible for those things until they set up VAR, um, and so or not VAR, sorry, Pro. Right. So long term, there that is something that could happen in Canada as well. That the the league uh, could choose to kind of go that road to help professionalize referees even further. Um, but and it goes it does go into the, the other conversations we've had about what what is the CSA responsible for in terms of how they they look after the game in the country referee referee development and all that yep. is very much a part of their mandate and their responsibility and something they oversee and uh you know they they they're doing it obviously it needs to continue to grow uh, in line with the growth of the professional uh, currently the professional men's league and soon to be a professional women's league in our in our country yeah i mean it, it has to improve and it's like i know it's a tough job and i know because someone had messaged me on twitter about it as well it's like it's a tough job being a linesman and it is because you have to be mm-hmm. looking at so many things oh yeah this, that one just seems so bad yeah that I, I i don't think you can make any excuse for it but i mean it was was a great final weekend york got that fifth playoff spot with that 2-1 win. Halifax 
looked like they could maybe finish second, but they could only beat Valor 1-0. And it's crazy that you go all the way to the end and you lose a potential, for now, depending on what happens in the, the playoffs, Champions Cup spot by one goal over the season. So, I mean, that's a, a killer. Forge had got beat by 1-0 by Ottawa. If they'd got beat 2-0 or Halifax had won 2-0, it would have been Halifax who had been second. Pacific, though, in free fall, dropped to fourth after a 3-0 loss at Cavalry, and they just looked so second-best to Cavalry in that one. It was, a, it was a good performance by a Cavalry side, but just wanting to entertain a, a big crowd, I think over 4,600 there at Spruce Meadows. Check out Scott Strosser's piece on AFTN as well fantastic photo you got of the of the celebration as well but basically it sets up the playoffs there is a fourth v fifth battle at mm-hmm. starlight stadium on wednesday night seven o'clock kickoff pacific host york the winner playing halifax in halifax on saturday morning that's a big trip with a very short turnaround for both those teams yep yep don't know why the game's not on tuesday yeah, uh, I wonder if there is some reason for that. Yeah, it could be a stadium clash, maybe, but or I hope it's not for TV because that would be bad because that is a lot to ask either of those teams, especially York. If you've come to Vancouver, you've gone back to Ontario, you're over to the island, then you might have to fly straight to Halifax. That's just Yeah, I, I would be surprised if it was for, for Media Pro. That would mm. be kind of weird. Um, I, I do know fancy that York to maybe do it as well. Just I do form that both are in. Anyways, I do sorry. know I do know that uh, league officials were uh, at um, Starlight Stadium uh, on the uh, was it September thirtieth game for ah. when Vancouver was there because they were just doing some evaluating and checking and and in potential preparation in case the final uh, would have been. Uh, could have been on the ah, island. That was a wasted trip for them then. <laughs> well, th- it was not the only thing that they were doing, but that was one of the things that they were just making sure, checking a few things, and yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the, the final will not be, will not be no. there now. I mean, we, we'll know by Saturday evening where it's going to be because yeah. with the new kind of page format, curling-esque format that they've got this year, first place second from the regular season, Cavalry will host Forge on Saturday afternoon. 2 o'clock Pacific time kickoff for the right to host the championship game. So mm-hmm. if Cavalry win it, it's going to be on Sunday the 29th, which I kind of hope it is because I might be able yeah. to go through to that one. The, the college playoffs in Canada West are a bit weird this year, but I think I'm free on the 29th, but I definitely wouldn't be on the 28th, which if Forge win, it'd be the 28th. So if Cavalry win, they're in the championship game. If Forge win, they're in the championship game. If Forge or whoever loses that one then hosts a semi-final meeting with or oh, the winner of the Halifax and the play York the play, Stroke Pacific plan. game. Yeah. yeah. I'm confusing myself here. So a lot of exciting football to come this month. So if you're thinking, I'd like to see it, get one soccer for a month. If you're on Telus, you can get it for five bucks. Add it in, watch it, get those games. It'll be a fun end to the season for for sure Vancouver FC sadly their inaugural season is finished and it finished with a loss what we're going to do next week because the Whitecats aren't playing we'll kind of have a 
end of season roundup for Vancouver FC. We'll obviously talk Whitecaps, MLS, and other stuff as well. But we'll kind of delve into a little bit for for VFC. But initial thoughts, season over, Zach. You kind of touched on it at the start, but you were given thanks. But just how do you look back on this first year? Yeah, I mean, it was a, a year of, yeah, first, <laughs> a new beginning, a fresh start. Um, it was a year of growth. Like, yeah, I, I think the, this the squad wasn't at the level that uh, everyone would have wanted to, to be for a number of reasons. And maybe we'll talk about those next week. Um, oh, but we certainly uh, will. But uh, well, I don't. I don't know how much detail. Well, I, I maybe mean, we've talked about some of this before. But anyways, um, it was great to see changes made yeah. um, midway through the season to strengthen the squad, and then to see the side be from that point on virtually every game kind of competitive. The first few, first two or three or four games, or whatever, were great. But a- after that, obviously, there was uh, the, the the squad just wasn't at the level it needed needed to be, and so. Um, yeah, a lot of a number of those players aren't, you know, aren't uh, aren't at clubs anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's frustrating because you saw the turnaround. Yeah, and it's impossible not to say, oh, what if? Yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah. I, I, I mean, guess, there's some really the good mid-season what... additions as well. That it's like, oh, just if they'd been there the whole year, what kind of difference could they make? I yeah. think it's it's clear the MVP. For, well, I, I say it's clear for me. Callum Irvin for Vancouver FC is was just phenomenal, and if it yeah. wasn't for him, things could have got a lot worse in the early going. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he had a, a few moments. I think he'd want back uh, later in the yeah. season, but but in general, yeah, I'd agree with you. He uh, he was huge. Yeah, he he'd massive. be my first choice. Then probably Gabby Bitar. Yeah, Gabby. I mean, Gabby in the second half. Uh, free of injury and um, with um, um, a better complement of players around him was, yeah, I mean, as the supporters saying, he was on fire. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, he's, yeah, it was a, a career year for him too, right? He scored like most goals he's scored in the league in a, in a season. And yeah, he was so, so instrumental and so, so vital. Um, I think the other thing too is you, it wasn't even just the results. You could just see it was just the quality of play too. Like even in the loss, this loss to York, there was moments where you're just like, oh, like the way we're playing. Like I don't know. I think it was. I think it was, I think it was in the highlights, Michael. So you, you've seen this, but like there was the well, moment. I did watch. I watched the game. Oh, you watched the whole game. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I only. So, I like. I missed the first fifteen minutes or so, and then in the second half, uh, as we were trying to equalize, there was that moment where Hundal was coming in on goal and. Did like a drag back for I think it was Batar. I can't remember if it was Batar or not, but he did this beautiful like drag back, like almost like back heel to to the open player. And the and the I forget which York defender was. York, York defender made a really good block, but like just the build up to that 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 play and then that that kind of beautiful touch from Hundal was just like I was it was like oh like just yeah it was just a it was some some quality quality moments um and, and so yeah you got there was more and more of those as the season went on and um i think can't underestimate uh and i think we were talking about this maybe the other day on the call but um the pre-match call but um a player like Raynan garcia yeah i know lots, some people made fun of that oh this is this old man yeah but he's team, been but I, he's I hope he's back next him. year i think he's yeah. been he's been th- the best mid-season addition 
I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Yeah. Um, well, but, yeah. but we won't get into too much more. We'll save that for next week. The, the season might be over, but the, the build for next year starts now. So yeah. we, we're on a, the pregame call for it. So I, I asked Afshin what, what next year's going to kind of look like, or basically from now on, what does the end of this season onwards look like the, in the, the coming weeks and months of this year and into 2024? Here's VFC head coach Ashin Gopi. The last game of the season. What would you like or what are your plans for the, for the next couple of weeks? Are you wanting to try and keep the, the group together for as long as you contractually can? Are you wanting to try and have maybe a a winter of having some trials of local guys with a, an early look ahead to next year? I think great question. We we want to give the players a, a short period off uh, until October 15th so, so they can uh, have Thanksgiving with their families. And then beginning on October 16th through the end of October, we're going to bring the group back together. We bring some test players into the group and create uh, game situations so we can look at uh, our possibilities for next season. Then in November and December and early January, we are uh, trying to place players at various professional clubs around the world uh, to give them meaningful training sessions in a team environment. So when they come back uh, starting January 15th for local players and mid-February for our full squad, that everybody does not have this long period of, of, of just pause, uh, which I think is not good for players. They uh, Basically, five months without playing meaningful games is too long. I, I believe only maybe six weeks in total per season a player should be off, and uh, they need to be training and playing on a regular basis. So, so we are trying to create different situations for different players, and hopefully they come back next year uh, fully fit and ready to go. I heard you talking a little bit about what's in store for the players and what would be ideal for them. What can you share a little bit what your off season is going to look like after the October training stint? What does it look for you in terms of recruiting or or preparing for next year? Uh, I'm going to be very busy because obviously uh, we are not satisfied with where how we end uh, in the in the table in the season, and our goal is to create a team that can challenge not only the playoffs but but beyond. And, and so we need to find uh, several key players in certain positions uh, to augment uh, the team, the depth of the team, and also the, the possibilities of the team to play. Uh, the kind of football that I'm really interested to play uh, that I believe can, uh, can be very attractive and can be exciting for fans in Canadian football. So I'm going to be busy uh, immediately after the sixth uh, a meeting with ownership, uh, uh, talking about various strategies and and in not only placing our players in various clubs around the world for training experiences and playing uh, training and playing experiences, but also identifying the right uh, players from the local market and international market that can make our team better. So Afshin there revealing he's given them the, the week off to enjoy Thanksgiving, just have a week of relaxation, then going to get them in for the last two weeks off the month, have yeah. some training, probably some inter-squad games, going to bring in some local talent, going to evaluate them with a look to next year, maybe some other players as well coming in, which is great. 
starting that now. The Whitecaps have done that in the past. We'll remember Martin Rennie doing it when he, when he took over way back yeah. in the day, at the end of the season. And then they hope to get some of the players, whether it's just for training, maybe even playing some minutes as well, but like placed at clubs around the world to, yeah. to be in training environments, be in competitive environments, keep them fresh and hungry, and then get the local players in mid-January, then the rest of the players in end of January. So it's going to start fairly early next year. I, I like what I'm hearing, and by the sounds of it, if anyone was having any doubts, Afshin is back as head coach next year. Or if not, he's making a lot of plans and he's going to be in for a bit of a surprise. Yeah, and no, I'd be surprised if he uh, if he wasn't. Yeah, I think you'll see players like, for example, like a TG Dahid will have at least one training stint at, at uh, some uh, club with, you know, that uh, people in, mm. in the, the stewards of the club have connections to. And... Well, I know they had players out at Huddersfield last preseason, and there was lots of talk because Huddersfield were linked with a Canadian or American buyer and folk wondered if it was maybe 6-5 sports were going to buy Huddersfield, but that hasn't come to, to fruition. But I don't I'm not, I don't know that they were looking at Huddersfield as far as I'm aware. It would be good to get that experience and who knows, you impress, the guy signs, you get a transfer fee as well, which is for these young guys in particular all it's about. I know there's some local players that are coming in for this two-week trial as well. So looking forward to seeing how they do. Might nip out to the odd training session, pick up some black pudding from black pudding imports along the way. Which, incidentally, for other stuff, I know everything's gone up in price. So expensive. Went there the other week, and stuff is like way well, that stuff more was all expensive. expensive. <laughs> that stuff was all expensive. To well, it was. It's even imported. even the black pudding's gone up by about five bucks. It's like crazy. But one of the players that will be interesting to see where his future lies, came in on loan from the oh, Whitecaps, yeah. Vasco Fry. Yeah. And impressed. Was a bit frustrated maybe in some games as well. So we got a chance to chat to Vasco before the York game, just to ask how he's found his time in the CPL and would he be open to coming back next year? Here's Vasco Fry. Hey Vasco, how you doing? Hello. Just wanted to talk about your kind of journey this season, obviously starting off with WFC2. When when did you know that this move to VFC was kind of on the cards? Were you pushing for something like that? And how have you found the, I guess, the level of play between CPL and MLS Next Pro? Um, yeah, it was um, mid-July. I saw I saw the opportunity to to come here to VFC. I was still on, like you said, VFC 2, uh, White Cups 2. And then um, I said, why not? Uh, CPO is getting better. It's growing. Uh, playing in a first-team environment, it's going to it's gonna help me. And uh, it sure did. And then um, comparing CPO with uh, MLS Next Pro, I would say it's more physical. Of course, uh, MLS Next Pro has uh, younger guys, which are developing. CPO is a more uh, mature, uh, grown man. That actually actually are fully developed, and then um, I think the the speed of play it's it's a bit faster. I feel uh, it it's faster compared to MLS Next Pro once again because uh, the kids in in Next Pro are still developing, and they need to to get that um, speed of play uh, so they can hopefully get to the first team. No, 
So you scored last year with WFC 2 and then you've now got your first CPL goal. You seem to really enjoy that. What was that experience like scoring in a in a big derby day and just your celebrations towards the fans were something I'm sure a lot of the fans will remember for a long time. Yeah, I mean, just growing up in South America, you know, the derbies are, are an important thing for us. I think that's that's what really motivated me uh, during the game and like really showed what I'm what my celebration, what my celebration showed was that uh, was what I felt. So it was it was pure joy and uh, very happy to actually score my first goal in a in a derby. Yeah, Vasco, I just wonder if you could talk about how uh, yeah how you enjoyed playing in North America uh, opposed uh, to what you were used to growing up in in, in Lima. It's uh it's very different actually. Uh, when I first came here, uh, you know, in South America, things are more like. Uh, you're more focused on the on the like, the ball on the on playing. When I first came here, uh, I came to the White Cups. Uh, it was a lot of gym, a lot of uh, physical stuff, which I wasn't used to. I, I kind of struggled for a bit, but then I learned that uh, if I want to play in North America, I have to to integrate those those parts into my my game, and um, I felt I've done it well. I've uh, I've developed in that those aspects, and uh, I still try to conserve my. My skills I, I learned in South America with the boy, but um, integrating both South America and North America uh, made me a, a better player. Uh, I just wonder if you could speak to what it's been like to play with Rainy and Garcia a lot. I mean, you've been partnered a lot together in midfield. Yeah. What you've learned from him and and what that's been like for you? Nah, it's 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 an amazing guy, and uh, like you know, he's he's played everywhere. He's a very experienced guy, so I try to learn from here every day. Not only. Like being around him off the field too, uh, he shares a lot of experiences, uh, situations that, that can happen during the game. So I think uh, just being around him, not only on the field, uh, helps me a lot and uh, definitely a lot of the, of the other guys. What's, what's your plans, Vasco, then for the rest of the year? Obviously the VFC are hoping to get some guys in. Are, are you able to stay with them? Are, are, are you kind of like open to all options for, for next season? I'm I'm on loan here till October 31st, so we haven't decided yet. Uh, I'm still I still got to report to the Whitecaps till December 31st. So uh, I just gotta head back and see see the options for next year. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Vasco Fry. Keep all the options open. He is on loan to the end of October, so he'll be part of this two weeks training. I mean, you've got to think if if they say to him, "Look, we want you. We want to to build the the midfield around you and Renan next year. We'd love you back." Are the Whitecaps gonna give him an MLS deal? Probably not. I think for him, it makes sense to to stay there. Of course, there'll be other options available as well. But I mean, would you welcome Vasco back next year? It, yeah, his deal's just uh, uh, MLS Next Pro. Yeah, just WST. Um, I was reading somewhere. He, he uh, got one call up. Uh, this well, maybe year. that's what it was. Yeah, that's so what he I'm did thinking. get an MLS call up. So he's he's in their mind. Right. I mean, I I'd heard rumors about Vasco at the end of last year that the the Whitecaps had initially not re-signed him. And everyone was saying, oh, we hear Vasco Fry is going to join Vancouver FC. And then the Whitecaps re-signed him. But then he ends up at Vancouver FC after all. So I, I think they would welcome him back. I was interested in him hearing just what he's learned from playing beside Renan Garcia as well. 
Yeah. That, I, that's good development for a player. I really thought he was a solid addition. I think the midfield with him, Garcia, and Elliot Simons um, w- gave a good, solid base for the team to build off, both going forward and defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that. Whatever happens with Vasco Fry, I think, uh, you know, for a, a club that's played one season, I think he will be fondly remembered for a winning goal away to yes. Pacific FC with a, a quality, quality strike. And talked um, about it there as well. And yeah. I mean, what that like as a young player, those are the moments like when you hang your boots up. Those are the ones that I've scored a winner in a derby. Yeah, ran over cel- to the fans and he celebrated it like yeah, it was very good. Never, obviously, you weren't on the show last week, so we'll just round off this part. How was that day for you? Because I had oh. a couple of folks message me going, oh, so disappointed Zach wasn't on. I wanted to hear what he thought about that. Um, no, it was great, dude. It was it was so good. Um, it was... Uh, we were one section over this time. Yeah, you're right in the end in the shitty view. Yeah, no, but that's... I mean, that's how the... That's where the way fans should be, right? <laughs> so... So it was, no, it was good. It was good. We were a little bit smaller. Like last time, I think we were 80. This time we were more like 50, 60. That's still not bad. But uh, no, it was, it was, it was good. Um, Holiday holiday weekend. It's like, it's nightmare travel. Yeah. People sang. There was a roof. Um, Yes. Yeah. It's very good. It was, uh, it was really good. What what are you going to do with yourself now then? You've got all this time in your hands the next season. More podcasts. Yes, more podcasts, Michael. Well, we'll put out two a week. I mean, if I'm honest, this this summer's been a little more busy than I anticipated or than normal. And this fall has been extremely more busy than, than normal. So I, yeah, I haven't had as much time for football stuff as I would like, um, which is, that's, I mean, it's been great to be part of a community where there are other people who want to do yeah. heavy lifting and yeah. want to make things happen so like i talked at the beginning of the show like yeah that that display was yeah people something that people really wanted to do and wanted to make happen and if you don't have people who are willing to make things happen like these things happen because there's people determined to make them happen <laughs> right? yeah I, I think sometimes others don't really appreciate how much work goes into tifos even two oh, sticks yeah. all that's like there's a lot of work there's a lot of effort there's a lot of painting, there's a lot of manpower, there's the planning, and folk are like, oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you have pulleys? Why it's like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So I, like, yeah, like like I said, this has been an extremely uh, full season for me uh, with work, and so, yeah, it's been great to see lots of people do lots of awesome stuff. Hey, um, maybe, maybe you'll have time now that we can do some of our video of football board games. Yeah, we'll talk more on the. On yeah, the we'll talk too. a little bit more next week about VFC. And... It, it has been a, it's been a great year, and uh, I'm thankful for yeah the community that's been kind of that's uh, come around things. Both of people who I knew I've known for a long time, and people who I just met this year, and looking forward to seeing that continue continue to grow. And yeah, uh, yeah if you want to was... be involved, if you want to be involved, get in touch. No, I'm fine. No, not you. <laughs> You're, yeah, no, definitely. Aren't do. you? Aren't you? Was didn't you tell me you're you're a fair weather fan? I'm a very fair weather fan. <laughs> if the weather's fair, I will turn out. Anyway, that is it for the CPL chat. 
We've got one more part to go. We're talking about from one dark side to the other, FIFA. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Cal Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN podcast. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's former Artist of the Month here at AFTN, Moscow Death Brigade. They're back with a new song featuring Eliza Dixon and Los Fastidious. That is Ruder Than Croc. It's their new single, excellent stuff from the band that I was worried about because they have been very anti-government, anti-Putin in their comments and songs and stuff. And when the war started in Ukraine, they disappeared from social media. And uh, you worry when things like that happen for such artists. But they're back, back with a bang. Fantastic new single. Check that out in all the usual places. What a talk. A little bit FIFA World Cup in this part. And it's not 2026. We're going to look even further ahead to 2030 and 2034 because there was an announcement this week Zach there's only been one bid for the 2030 World Cup so it has gone to Spain Portugal and Morocco so the tournament is going to be played in Europe and Africa and I've got to say I, I, I quite like them as hosts it's a, it's a nice mix they're fairly close to each other uh, Morocco obviously did well at the last World Cup. So, World Cup, three countries, two continents. Ah, there we go. What? Six countries and three continents? They're like rabbits, Michael. You leave them alone and they multiply. Yeah. Well, at least, thankfully, they've got all the countries that's hosting really close to each other. <laughs> yes, being facetious because it was announced that Uruguay, Argentina and Paraguay will also host World Cup matches in 2030. Now, I've been very adamant for many years that the 2030 World Cup should be in Uruguay, at least. Yeah, that Whether it's joint fun. with Argentina, 
there had been talk it was going to be a Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay bid. And I was fully supportive of that. And I think they should have got it. This is a compromise to placate people like me by having three matches played in South America. I'm sure everyone knows, but if, if you don't, the very first World Cup was played in Uruguay. And the very first match will be played in the famous Montevideo Stadium. If you remember, I, a long time ago we talked about this, I, I would prefer to, to have only been in Uruguay, but the more I thought about it, yeah, the Argent, you know, Argentina coasting makes sense logistically well, for 48 and financially. Teams, yeah. And for the, yeah, the added burden. Well, I'm assuming 48. Who knows by 20? It could be, yeah, it could be all teams. It could be 96, every single country in the world. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Come that would have been Caledonia. nicer. That would have been that would have been nicer. I really hope Canada does not have to play games in Morocco. Well, <laughs> th- there's there's a lot about this. Now, I mean, it is a compromise, and I like that there's going to be a, a nod and special events and a ceremony in Uruguay celebrating that historic first tournament from 1930. That has been done right. What I don't like is each of those three countries, Paraguay, Argentina, Uruguay, will be hosting one match. Yeah. One group game. Which means the second group game for each of those groups is going to be on the other side of the world. Logistically, for fans, that's just awful. Well, then the other thing, oh yeah. I mean, my ground-hopping friends from around the world right away uh, messaged and said... Yeah, how angry they were at this. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 at random, let's just say, Australia's play, playing Uruguay in the first match. And then they're going to play some other team in Spain. That is some hell of a travel. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Well, the other, the other thing you said, you, I know you said to me, is that means one-eighth of the teams are getting in as hosts. Yeah. Which is it's interesting. Like, that's quite nuts as well. Because yeah, it also means you're going to get some South American teams that haven't been in the World Cup for a long time that's going to get in. Yeah. For me, the simpler way around it would have been you have half the group games played in South America, half in Spain, Portugal, Morocco, and then the rest of the tournaments played in Spain, Portugal, Morocco. Yeah, that, that could have been interesting. I just think that would have made a, a lot more sense. I mean, or... Are they going to rig it so it's like CONCACAF and CONMEBOL teams will be playing in those three games? If so, I hope Canada get Paraguay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a long time away, Michael. So you know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Paraguay could be could be on a. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's 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 all shades of awkward, right? It, like... It's just it's very weird, and it also, and again, I I like this. And I don't like this. It seems to have removed the whole voting aspect of who's hosts. Now, that's great because of all the stigma and uh, the scandals and bribes and allegations of bribes and everything else that's come out over the years. But this is all done behind closed doors. And it's like, this has been the only country that's bid for it. It's like, oh, really? For the historic 100th World Cup. You've only had that one bid. Yeah. But did they did they uh, geo-block this bid? Like, was it supposed to be in Europe or, it, or it Africa? Was, or? 
it was open. There was obviously some things, places that couldn't have it. For for twenty thirty four, it can only be Asian stroke Eurasian countries that can bid for it. So a lot of folk were expecting Australia to put a bid in, maybe with New Zealand again, but the Saudis appear to be the favourites for twenty thirty four. Yeah. Which, I mean, we won't get too much into this. There's a lot that you can talk about it, and it's obviously been a long show already. But I always keep thinking about something that you said to me when you you came back from Qatar. So you had said that one of the reasons that you had wanted to go, aside from obviously Canada being there, was it was a chance to experience something that wouldn't happen again, and that you could see so many games in a day over the whole tournament in such close proximity to each other. And I mean, from that that side of things, the Qatar World Cup was some spectacle for that. I know folk that's gone, I've spoken to, to a couple of folk, and they loved that aspect of it. Could happen again, I guess, with Saudi, if they were the only country to, would, to bid would and they, host it. Would they spread it out, though? Or would it be in, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, is it Riyadh? Yeah, Riyadh's the capital. I mean, it would be spread out, so it wouldn't be as close to it as Qatar, because it's a, it's a bigger country. But, I mean, it, it's a chance. It does feel that single country hosting is a thing of the past. Yeah, unless you're a big oil state who yeah. can spend all kinds of money, yeah. I mean, 2030 is such a long way away, and so much can happen, and they can still change things. Just like for 2026... It was going to be groups of three, and then it got changed to groups of four. So, yeah. I mean, you could find that there's going to be some more games played in South America than, than they're saying. If people kick up a fuss about the travel, everyone's trying to think of the climate and keeping flying down, never mind anything else. You don't want folk flying all over the place for, for things like that as well. Spain and Portugal are going to be very passionate hosts. Morocco is going to really embrace it as well. I know you <laughs> weren't huge fans of them off the Moroccan fans from your time in oh, Qatar, but I, I, I think it's a great thing for that country to get this. Oh, Morocco. I mean, they lost to the, the North American bid, right? Yeah. Um, so they've, they've been wanting to host for a while. It'll be, it'll be crazy intense there. It'll be like the... You don't want to be the opposition team playing Morocco oh, in Morocco. You, you, you do not. You do not. It's... It is, it'll be, yeah, it's just, it'll be just like when a tournament's in Europe or South America. Like, it's that, it's that level, which... Yeah, I look forward to Scotland getting drawn against them. Yeah, and so when I said I don't want Canada to play them, it's because, yeah, it'll, one, it'll be very difficult, and two, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, w- I would like to be there, but I also have some not-so-fun memories of people wanting to cause me physically harm in the stadium. <laughs> Did I tell you? This? I told you this story, right? Yeah. I, this time you didn't hit them with a flag. No, I did. <laughs> that was the same day, actually. That was the same. Oh wow, that was an interesting day for you. Yeah. Well, no, because remember, the, football violence awareness month is not until March. Because remember, I can't. I can't remember how much of this we talked about on the show, but uh, they, they came into the Canadian the, section. The Qataris, the Qatari, the hosts would like allow. Like after kickoff, they would allow people in to use empty seats, which I don't think there were too many empty seats to that game. 
but yeah so some dude just came and sat in with like the canadian families and section like sitting in and so when they scored there's this one dude in this sea of canada red celebrating the goal like and kind of like in their face so i went to security and was like you got to move this person and then they moved them and then they said you can't let people sit here and the security guard said to me what what can i do that they've opened the gate i'm like yeah don't let them sit here but the big problem was at the end uh because i knew because we were on the tunnel side you knew everyone was going to try and get to the tunnel oh, to see yeah. the players so I went down and stood and I blocked people from going through all these Moroccans, Mor sorry, all these Moroccan fans from going through the Canadian <laughs> parents and whatever. And they were, they were not happy about that. <laughs> they like, they were, they were, they were threatening violence and whatever. And yeah, it was interesting. Well, you'll have to tell the tale. Yeah. This time. <laughs> yes. Maybe not in 2030. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's an it's an interesting one. I I don't mind, as I say, like Spain, Portugal, Morocco. I think it's a great bid for any World Cup. I would have liked this one in South America. I just think it would have it would have been good as well. Australia deserve it, and I think they showed at the Women's World Cup what a what a good tournament they can put on. I do wonder if the time difference really goes against them drastically as well. That it's not great for TV. So they they may never get that, but we of course have twenty twenty six to look forward to sooner rather than later. Let us know your thoughts on the twenty thirty World Cup, though, and I, it just caused so much kind of incredulity when it came out midweek. I think it was Wednesday oh, yeah. it had come out, and folk were like, "No, this can't be true," and it's like, "What?" Just the fact that it's on six continents and. Infantino's saying it's all about uniting the world because we're playing across the world and we're uniting Europe and Africa and everything like that. And I get it from that side of things. It could make some interesting visa issues as well, I guess. But yeah, let us know your thoughts as usual. AFT in Canada on Twitter, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com. I mentioned Australia and the Women's World Cup, which was a big success over the summer going to finish this show with this episode's wavelength and I wish I had discovered this song, well this EP I wish I had discovered during the Women's World Cup because it was brought out for the Women's World Cup. It's from an Australian band from Wollongong and they brought out a four track EP called Hands Up. It's four songs on the, on the EP all Women's World Cup themed. They actually saw on it about Megan Rapinoe, which would have been very fitting to play since she had her big retiral game in Seattle on Friday night. But I hate Megan Rapinoe, so I'm not playing that song. What I have gone I, for, I though... I support your decision, Michael. Yeah, I just never liked her. So I, I'll probably play two of these four songs over the course of, of Wavelength because there's two absolute crackers on it. This is the opening track. It's a song about Australian midfielder Steph Catley, who scored the last goal for Australia against Canada in the group game that, of course, knocked Canada out. She's played in Melbourne. She's played in the NWSL with Portland, Orlando, with, with Rain. Now she's with Arsenal. This is the band called The Curls, and their song, Everybody Loves Steph Catley.
the curls there. Everybody loves Steph Catley. That'll be in, in your heads this week. That is it for the show. It's been another long one. Just imagine how long it would have been if we had got our feature interview, Zach. <laughs> crazy long. Yeah. Might have had isn't, to cut some bits it, out. Isn't it, isn't it featured interviews? Well, yes, but I, I'd like to just do one in, in each oh. show. But I would have had one for next week, but that hasn't happened. Just before we go, though, any final thoughts from you? Anything funny caught your eye this week? Oh, I just want to hold my hand. I got it wrong. I, I watched the I watched the replay on on that uh, that that was not Nico won the ball, but yes. then he did dive after, and then Kiani embarrassed himself. I think by by diving by, as well. By diving he, as well. Yeah, a, a, it was like a finger poke that didn't yeah. really connect with him, and he went down clutching his face. His face, yeah. It was it was bad bad on both ends. So yeah. you're right. I think you're right. If the if if there was proper officiating, yeah, we might have ended a, a one nil game. Yeah, but I'm I'm pleased for York, pleased for Nashi. There's a fun clip that I don't think I retweeted. This. There was a mascot fight in France, and oh. one of the mascots got carted away in a stretcher. Like like small children who walk out with the players. Oh no, they were like big adults, oh, okay. like the the funny Costumes. funny mascots. Yeah. Um, because one tackled the other, and his head came off, and his head crashed off. The I think he went off with a concussion. That's crazy. Oh, no, I know what I tweeted out this week. It was a, a call from a, a women's game in England. Oh. And it was... Yeah. Knobs from distance, straight down the keeper's throat. That's Fantastic call. I just hope I can live up to a commentary call like that one day when I'm doing my games. That was not on purpose, obviously. I don't think so. It was a female commentator as well that was... Right. Doing... I can see you doing it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, we'll be back with another episode soon. Give us a follow on Twitter, AFT in Canada. Please like and subscribe our YouTube channel. We really want to get that to a thousand so we can get monetized. We've been like slowly plodding along. We're just over the 600 mark. So we'll have some VMSL videos up over the, the coming weeks and stuff. I've got big plans for next year for doing more videos. I know I've said that every year for about the last three years. I've got a lot of big plans for, for next year. So you want to make sure you're a part of that. And if you enjoy the podcast, give us a, a nice review or a star rating on wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. If you're still listening to that, have a good Thanksgiving week. We'll be back next weekend with another fun-filled show. Until then, as always, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the caps. Playoff bound, baby. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Et...